This is Real Estate Rookie episode 185. I could spend $300,000 to go to school or I can work your exit strategy today from a beach. Let me decide, you know. So um, I think it was then when I fully committed to initially it was going to be some passive income to help uh, while I was in dental school, but then it just became my exit strategy in general. So what I did was I took that exit strategy and just moved it to be my primary focus instead. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we give you the inspiration, information, and education you need to get started as a real estate investor. Ashley Kerr, what is going on? What's new? Well, I have two exciting things to share with you, um, as I'm sure you know from Bigger Pockets. But before we get into that, it is snowing outside. Today is what, April 19th, and yeah. it is a snowstorm outside <laughs> right now. So if you wanted to go ahead and recap how beautiful the weather is in sunny California, now's your chance. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny, Ash, is I'm actually going to be in your neck of the woods in like four days. So I guess I get I to experience this terrible New York weather firsthand. Yeah, and I actually found out my new car has made it to Buffalo, hasn't made it to the dealership yet, but I'm hoping that it makes it here in time to come uh, visit you so I can road trip with it for a couple trip hours to come go. see you when you come to New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. And you can drive me around. Yeah, and then if not, I'll just have my one of my personal uh, chauffeurs that have been driving around for, for the last month take me. <laughs> take you where you need to go. Yeah. Um, so there's two call outs I want to do uh, real quick on Bigger Pockets. is first, the new podcast that has come out. It is called On the Market. Is one of my great friends and my recent joint venture partner on a flip, uh, James Daynard, as one of the hosts. Dave Myers, who we had on a couple episodes. So I highly recommend you guys go check it out. They also have a YouTube channel, too, where they're posting the podcast episodes and also uh, extra YouTube videos for you guys with what's going on in the economy, what's going on with the market. And I was just watching a video this morning about some of the top housing markets, what their picks were uh, for housing markets across the country too. And then uh, the second thing that I want to point out is a Bigger Pockets Money episode. I want you guys to listen to if you are looking to get lending um, from a loan officer and what it takes to get a pre-approval or if you need help uh, preparing to get pre-approved. You want to check out episode 303 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. So they have a, a former mortgage lender that comes on and talks about um, how to check your credit score, how to build your credit. Um, if you're not just quite hitting what you need for pre-approval, some tips and advice uh, you can take away from this episode to actually get pre-approved for a loan. Yeah. So if you guys haven't yet, make sure you go check out both of those. Again, On The Market, great, great, great new podcast. I think when it launched, it was like number three on the podcast charts for business. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot of good response so far. So you're missing out if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, can I share just some good news, Ashley? Like I'm, I'm excited because this is something that I've been working on for a while. Um, but we, you know, I've, I've talked in the podcast how we've been wanting to buy a, a resort, right? Like that was the, the space that I wanted to move into was to pick up like a, a resort or a boutique motel or hotel. But we finally, finally, finally have one under contract. Um, it's a 23 unit cabin resort in, a, in Big Bear Lake, California. And uh, we're looking to close, I think, like at the end of June. But I'm super excited for this project to finally take hold. Tony, I am so happy for you. I know how hard you've been working on this deal. And I'm yeah. so excited to do a rookie reply to actually break down how you made this deal happen. Because I know you went back mm -hmm. and forth with the seller multiple times. So yeah. um, you guys watch out for that rookie reply that will come out probably July. Um, once We'll do it once you close on the property and work through the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it'll be fun. It'll be my first time like syndicating a big deal like that. So there's some lessons to be learned there. We're going to be turning into a really cool uh, like wedding space. So we'll have some wedding revenue in, in addition to the short-term rental stays. So just a, a really a tremendous amount of upside with this project. So I'll be excited to share the journey with you guys. You know how many women are going to be pushing to get engaged now, Tony, just so they can get married <laughs> at Tony Robinson's At Tony venue? Robinson's wedding. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> or maybe it'll be the other way. All the men watching will want to get married because it's... <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, they want to go and get a glimpse of Tony Robinson and maybe get some real estate advice. Yeah. <laughs> advice on their wedding day. 
Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com, or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages, until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so today we actually have a Bigger Pockets employee on the show. So this is so exciting to me. I've always been a Bigger Pockets groupie, you know, still I am a diehard Bigger Pockets fan. And I love all of the the people at Bigger Pockets that put everything in place, including this podcast episode. I, you know, Tony and I show up here. We don't do any of the behind the scenes stuff. And so we're very fortunate to have a great team at Bigger Pockets. And today we get to highlight and bring on um the community manager at Bigger Pockets and talk about her in her investing um and what she's done so far. And the first thing that she points out is I I failed the first time. I, I you know it didn't go great. It didn't go how she expected, but she started over again and she took more time to research um, what failed last time and kind of learn what she needed to do to make it different. And she is succeeding. She also shares some really amazing tips on how to build relationships with both private money lenders and how she went about finding contractors in a new market. So if you're struggling with either of those two things, make sure you listen to the end of the episode. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you start off with telling everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Sure. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I got started in real estate first by being an accidental landlord in about 2011. Um, that didn't go so well, ended up selling the property. I came back and started doing it intentionally in late 2019. Uh, I started with a multifamily property in Detroit, which I know a lot of people are scared of, but I lived in Detroit previously and started with that one and then expanded to Texas. And right now I've got five doors, one live and flip that may be a failed live and flip and about six more under contract. Wow. So you're busy. <laughs> got a lot Just a little on. bit. I'm also uh, the community manager for Bigger Pockets. So uh, yeah, I get to interact we with We have an insider day. here. 
You have an insider today. (laughs) So Alicia, for folks that maybe don't know what that means, just like quick rundown, like what what is it that you do at BiggerPockets? What does it mean to be the community manager? So I joke that uh, for those of you who like Dr. Seuss, I'm the Lorax of BiggerPockets. I speak for the people. And so if there are projects or products, things that uh, need to be shared with um, the community, then that becomes my job to find out what they need and get it back to our product team. And also to hear what they're missing or what the product team has in development and how or why it would benefit our members. So I get to talk with people, understand their real estate journey. And by me being an investor myself, it's a huge help because I've been in their shoes. I've dealt with the same struggles. And I can also kind of see where there's some gaps that maybe someone who isn't an investor might not realize so that we can deliver the best products and experiences possible. That's why Bigger Pockets is so great. Um, it's not only the greatest software platform forums out there, but it's also very invest- investor friendly. Like we preach all the time, you know, find an investor friendly agent. Well, here we have Alicia, an investor friendly community relations person. So um, Alicia, let's go back to the investing, though. What you the first thing you mentioned was that you failed in 2011. So how was that and how were you an accidental landlord with that property and how did that property fail? It didn't necessarily fail. It just was in Indianapolis and it was the time coming out of the 2008 crisis where Indianapolis hadn't quite recovered as some of the other ones and my ex-husband had a job transfer. And so we were trying to sell it, had to drop the price, weren't really comfortable with the price we wanted to drop it to. And a friend of ours was a property manager. And she said, hey, I usually do large multifamily, but if you want to rent it out, she said, I'll give you a great deal and we can go ahead and do it that way. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't have a great experience. It was a remarriage with five kids that very quickly dissolved in a matter of a few months. Pets that weren't supposed to be there, drama, drama, drama. And so um, thankfully, we relisted it after she moved out and were able to sell it. Uh, But trying to do that out of state, not choosing to do that and not really having a partner that supported that journey uh, was especially uh, stressful. What made you decide that, okay, that didn't go well? What made you decide to try again? Because I think a lot of people where they have something like that happen, just be like, okay, that's not for me. I'm going to invest in something else. So that experience, I actually learned a lot from it. Um, It was something that I see people around me that were having some success with. Um, Like I said, I didn't have a partner that was supportive of that. And so when I no longer had that constraint, I started looking at ways to be able to leverage what I had because um, my divorce left me with half of what I was expecting or far less, but it didn't change my goals and it didn't change my outcome that I wanted for my future. And so I had to start looking at more creative solutions to be able to get to the point that I wanted to be without being able to have the large income. Alicia, can we just talk really quickly? You touched on it a little bit, but what are some of the lessons that you learned from that accidental uh, landlording experience? Um, Number one, if your heart isn't in it, you should probably just uh, step away and decide to do something else. Um, There are a lot better ways to just accept the loss and move on if it's going to be too stressful. Um, I also learned that staying in communication with your property manager and having a property manager who is definitely uh, solution focused and keeps you informed is a game changer, especially if you're doing long distance, uh, because you don't know what's going on. Uh, I did have the advantage of still being friends with my neighbors. So they kind of fill me in. Hey, the police are at your house. Oh, yay. You know, things like that. But it was really important to make sure that um, we stayed in connection so that we knew the right steps to take. And I had to lean a lot on that property manager because I had no education. Whereas this time around, I had used bigger pockets before gaining my first rental. Alicia, based on those lessons learned, and you said that you went to bigger pockets to learn how to research it, do it better the next time around. What's some advice you can give to our rookie listeners about uh, you know looking for those solutions to certain problems you ran into? So I would say number one is you're always going to need more money than you think. Um, I run across this when they're like, I have X number of dollars to get started, or I have this much for a down payment. I usually tell them, great. Did you consider closing costs? 
Did you know that right now it's really hard to find things in stock? My flip is going to cost more than I projected, even when I started a month and a half ago. Um, so making sure that they understand they need a bigger cushion than they expect. Um, they need to have multiple exit strategies ahead of even starting a project or deciding to get it under contract because things don't always work out. Um, so I think that's really important, especially if you're a newbie, you don't have a lot of money to make mistakes with. So not being afraid, but definitely taking those fears and creating solutions around it before you even start. Um, I'd say also, you know, getting a partner or someone that you can mentor with is huge because they can help you kind of foresee some of those challenges. But overall, just making sure that you have your your exit and you kind of reverse engineer to get to, you know, how much should I offer? What should I have for my bid? Um, you know, what contractor should I look for? When is DIY DI don't? Uh, you know, all of those different things that can help you be successful. So you want to do it again and you really get excited about that check at the end or the monthly income you have. Alicia, can you give us an example of one of your properties where you purchased a property and you're like, okay, here are my different exit strategies and kind of go through how you plan those out? Sure. So we just started a project. It's my first flip. Um, I typically try to do buy and hold because I want the long-term gains and I like the monthly income coming in but I need cash uh, to be able to kind of move on to the next project. So I partnered with someone that I happened to meet on Bigger Pockets. He's a fantastic partner. And we decided to do this flip of a two bedroom, two bath, 850 square foot, pretty simple project. Um, so what we did there was looking at the numbers first, is there room to actually rehab it the way it should be? Because it's an older home and there's lots of things that can come up in those. Um, and we needed to also look at what's our sale price. Does it make sense to step in? And if it can't sell or if we choose not to sell, will it still cash flow as a rental in case something happens with the market? Um, I know that my partner, uh, this is his first foray into investing. And he was nervous about, you know, the kind of climate that we're in. He's like, what if 2008 happens again? And I just spelled it out. I said, 2008 in the worst markets, we're dipping about 25%. We could dip 20% and still make profit off of this. We can still cash flow. So even taking those most catastrophic kinds of things that we may have experienced already and putting them in perspective to make sure that we can move forward with the deal and it still be a good deal was really important. I love the way you break down all those exit strategies and kind of think in the worst case scenario. You know, Ash and I talk about that as a way to to kind of beat the fears. If you can deal with the worst case scenario, then there's no reason not to move forward. Alicia, I want to talk a little bit because I'm I'm really glad you brought this up. But you said that you found your partner uh, through Bigger Pockets. So if we can, let, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit more. How did you find this person exactly, and how did you vet that the partnership would be a, a good one? That's a great question. So I started out in some conversations and uh, noticed we were following certain threads on the forums. He happens to live locally, but also is from Indiana and in the same area. And we're both kind of looking at investing in both places as a long-term strategy. So we got to talking and I told him, please come out and check out what I'm working on right now. That way he could see, just kind of get a feel for if it was something that he wanted to do or not. And so he came out to a project that uh, was completely gutted. And now he's seen that, uh, you know, we just finished it a few weeks ago and seen the transformation. And, you know, we said, let's keep each other in mind if something comes up. I happened to find this property that was undervalued on the MLS that, hit a nice sweet spot that honestly, we could lose everything and it wouldn't break us. So I messaged him and said, Hey, are you interested in moving forward? Because this is a great property. We started working together and we decided to intentionally make it a flip. I joke that we are on a very strong third date. So we're deciding, should we move together and move forward or should we just flip, sell, go our separate ways and remain friends. So I think that's a great exit strategy for people who are just getting started is to have a very clear end game, not something where you're tied to, we bought a package of 15 houses and now we are stuck for the next five, 10 years. So we have a chance to feel each other out. Um, we also made sure that 
our strengths and our weaknesses were counterbalance of one another. You don't need a duplicate of yourself. You need someone who can step in and fill those places where you're not as strong or to hold you accountable on those places to keep you moving. Alicia, so I know the I know the next question from our rookie audience is going to be, how did you structure the partnership? Like, what are the roles and responsibilities? How are you guys splitting the equity, the profits? So walk us through that piece. So for our partnership, we decided to do a joint venture agreement rather than going through all of the expense and everything of opening up a separate LLC between us. Um, we also were looking a lot at risk mitigation between us joining in a partnership. This is my first partnership to do, uh, aside from having a private lender, uh, which I've done previously. But we decided to do a joint venture between our LLCs and just drew up a document, had it notarized, and we are good to go. That's awesome. Now, in terms of how you guys are splitting duties and responsibilities, what does that look like? So I already have a crew working in the area. And so his contribution is uh, some of it is research of things I don't have time to research. Um, he's working on finding a few of the subcontractors that we need uh, to be able to get things done on time. I'm managing the crew and then we're each bringing 50-50 on uh, the expenses. Alicia, one thing that myself included, Tony, I'm sure you do too, is finding contractors. So how did you find your subs and how did how is your partner going to go and find out some subs too? Do you have any advice for that? So I found my contractor from a tenant. I had a partner that was supposed to be going through on a project that I purchased uh, that didn't work out. And I was suddenly found myself with this mortgage on a hard money loan and plans to get this thing rehabbed because this duplex had not been updated, no joke, since 1967 to 68. And then the person who is going to help and contribute the labor backed out. And so I'm like, great, what do I do? I had a tenant who said, hey, I have a guy who can come over and, and bid everything. So I tested him out. We needed the exterior painted. So I said, let's start with that. I want to see your quality of work. I want to see how we work together. If you deliver on what you say you will. And he did all of those. And now we have uh, what I joke is my ragtag crew. So we're we're rough around the edges, but we get the job done. And um, they show up for work. They have never worked for a woman before, which has been interesting. So um, we're, we're just moving along from project to project. And I will say for those of you who do have contractors that you're using regularly, respect what they know. Respect that they have experience that you don't have, but also know that there is a line where you as the paying person needs to make the decision to say yes or no, but treat them with respect, pay them on time and treat them as a professional, just as you're a professional investor and you'll have a great relationship going forward. Alicia, how are you managing the contractors? So do you have any kind of software or anything that you're using or using Excel? What does that look like? So managing my contractors, I'm typically running through text. So I have a general contractor and we have three guys that are on that crew that help out. I don't have to check with the crew very often unless they're working on a separate property or you know they have a question. Other than that, I'm communicating with the general contractor regularly. Um, I'm going down there once a week. The property is about 40 minutes south of me. So I check on everything, check progress. I get regular text updates. Uh, because we're a small crew and because I don't have the financial capacity at this point, we're doing one project at a time. So it's really pretty easy for me to manage and get started, especially because Bigger Pockets is my full-time job. And so my evenings, weekends, lunch breaks are spent managing this project, as I'm sure everybody here has probably been in at one point. So uh, communication with them, just it has to happen when we can. So Alicia, you, you made a really good point. I want to make sure that we don't like gloss over that. And what you said that when you hired this contractor for the first time, instead of giving them an entire rehab to do, you gave them one small job and that was to paint the house. And through that small job, you were able to see kind of, okay, do we work well together? Do I like this contractor's work? You know, is like, is there a good fit here? And you did the same thing with your partnership with the other investor as well, where instead of saying, hey, let's go out and buy, you know, multiple single family houses or this big apartment complex, we're just going to do one flip together. And that flip has a really clear and easy exit strategy. So that that kind of process you've developed, whether intentionally or unintentionally, of starting small with your partnerships, I think is a really important lesson for all of our rookies to follow as well. I definitely agree. 
Uh, some people are the kind that jump into the deep end of the pool, cannonball, ready to go. And then there's some of us who step in, test the water a little bit so that we can decide, are we going in or are we getting out? And, uh, you know, everybody's different, but I think giving some caution can help mitigate some of those potential issues that you might come up with or really sour your feelings towards investing. So, uh, you know, Alicia, we've talked a lot about uh, the flipping, but I want to go back just a little bit because I think there's an important piece of your story that we're, we're kind of missing here. So you had this initial start as the accidental landlord in 2011, and then you picked back up, you said, in 2019. So in those eight years, right, that, you know, that's a decent amount of time to wait. What was it that made you say, okay, I, I think I'm finally ready to go? And the reason I'm asking this question is because there are so many rookies that are listening that I, I think are on the fence about getting that first deal done, but for whatever reason, they're not pulling the trigger. So what, what was it in your mind? What was going on that made you say, okay, I'm, I'm finally ready to make this happen? So for me, um, going through a divorce or a major life change, uh, there's a lot of stepping back, reanalyzing, reassessing what you want, what your goals are. And I took several years to just get my financial footing again. Um, initially, I was working in the dental space. And I was working with a lot of dentist entrepreneurs and I thought maybe I want to go to dental school. And I started working towards that goal. But talking with all of these dentists, I learned a lot of them wanted to get out and what was their exit strategy. And so many of them had real estate as an exit strategy. And they're like, I want to retire off my investments and things. So I'm thinking, I could spend $300,000 to go to school or I can work your exit strategy today from a beach. Let me decide, you know? So um, I think it was then when I fully committed to, initially it was going to be some passive income to help uh, while I was in dental school, but then it just became my exit strategy in general. So what I did was I took that exit strategy and just moved it to be my primary focus instead. I think a lot of it was having to get up my self-confidence um, after having big life changes and also making sure that I had good financial footing that I could go forward because I had kids at home that relied on me. Alicia, you bring up such a great point about that dentist and were the ones you worked with, how they had they wanted to get out of being a dentist and were trying to find those other financial goals to get them there. And when I graduated college, I worked at a CPA firm. And I was going to be a CPA. That was what I went to school for. That's what I was working for. And the day that I quit where I couldn't take it anymore, couldn't sit at a desk, I couldn't do the same things over and over again just for different companies, I told the, I told the manager there that I was putting in my two weeks notice. And she said to me, I don't even make the money that I want to make here. You know, you should be happy with the money you're making because that was part of it was I expected to be making a lot more money than I actually was. And she said, you know, this is just the way it is. I wish I was making more money, too. You just don't here. And that I have always thought about that. And that really, like, triggered me. Well, why? How is that going to convince me to stay? Is you telling me that you've been here so long? You're a man managing partner of the business. And you are you're already complaining that you don't make enough. So for me, I was like, th this just confirmed that I'm making the right decision by leaving. And I think that's very powerful that especially anyone that's young listening to this, if you are going to college to be something to get into a career, talk to people that are in that career and see what it's actually really like. Yes, you could be making tons of money, but do you have do they have huge student loans um, are they having to dump a lot of stuff into their practice or their business? So I think it's really important to talk to these people that could be mentors to you as to see what it's really like being in um, that field or, or that career position. I was going to say, too, for the rookies, there's a great Bigger Pockets Money episode. I'm not sure on the number, but I'm sure we can put it in the show notes about the value versus your major specific to schools for a college education. And that was huge because as my kids are in high school now, they're looking for their careers and making decisions. Does that $60,000 a year school really get you ahead versus the $25,000 a year school? And is that career what you really want? How can you transition out of it? Because I started out in as a performer and in acting and theater and things, and I'm not doing that today as much. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't take those experiences and move it into a different career path. But sometimes you get those golden handcuffs if you go for the money or the the ultimate goal of the title uh, where you may not like it and you're stuck. And I think real estate investing is a great way to get unstuck. It just takes time and patience. Yeah, I think what I love most about real estate investing, this goes back to what you said, Ashley, like your boss, the one that you mentioned at the CPA firm, she was unhappy with the amount of money she was making. And it's because she wasn't in control of what that number was. Like that CPA firm got to dictate what her value was in the marketplace. And that's true for anyone that has a, a regular W-2 job. Your employer is going to dictate how much value they feel you bring. Even if you're in like a sales position, right? No salesperson is getting 100% of the commission. The company's gonna take something. So there, there's always some level of the company dictating what value you bring. But when you become an entrepreneur and you go to business for yourself, you go to work for yourself, you get to prove to the marketplace how valuable you are. And as a real estate investor, the more units you can accumulate, the better rental product you can provide, that's what dictates the value that you have in the marketplace. And I think that's what gets me so excited about being a real estate investor is that ultimately I'm in control of what that number is. And Tony, you hit a po another point there too, is a lot of time it's the value of your time. So working at that accounting mm -hmm. firm, you had to clock your time where what clients project you were working on and then you were paid based off the hours that you put in so if you wanted to make more you had to work more you had to put more time where with real estate investing there's so many different ways to kind of build passive in income or make money other ways without giving up as much time as these other careers kind of force you to do uh, Alicia, that episode that you're talking about, um, you know, I know every single Bigger Pockets Money episode out there, and that was episode 251, and then upcoming is episode 293 that will be um, focused more towards getting your master's degree, and the first one was for undergrad. <laughs> This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. 
If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. So Alicia, let's go into a deal and kind of break it down. Uh, Did you have a deal in mind that you wanted to share with us today? Sure. So we can talk about the rehab that I just finished. Okay. Yeah, great. Um, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions about it real quick and we'll go into rapid fire. Um, and then you can go ahead, go ahead and go into kind of the story of how the deal happened. So, uh, what was the purchase price? Purchase price was 95,000. I know some people are going to say, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) And how did you find the deal? So I actually found this deal because it was a block up from a duplex that I was currently working on. Um, I happened to see it and it was from a wholesaler that didn't get the contract completed. So I asked once that fell out of contract, hey, would it be stepping on your toes if I contact the seller directly? And said, no. So I walked down there and I put my card on the door, never heard anything, skip traced, wrote a nice little handwritten note, didn't hear anything, saw a guy mowing whenever I was down there checking on my other project and flagged him down like the crazy woman that I could probably appear. And he said, oh, I'm cutting the yard, but here's the owner and here's his number. So I called the owner and finally got a hold of him and went to take a look at the property. Everything looked good. He had just done some HVAC. He was starting to work on it, but really was looking for a place to move his money. And so he wasn't sure about me. Uh, This is a pretty small town, so it works a lot by who you know. He said, I don't know you from Adam. said, totally understand that. Let me have my contractor pop down here. We're working the next block up. This is where having a good local crew is a great thing because they sold it for me. They were the ones who helped me close that deal because they walk up and they all had known each other basically all of their lives. And he said, hey, is she going to do what she said? Absolutely. And they said, how is it working for her? And I remember my contractor said, well, she's a great boss lady. And I took that with a lot of pride, um, but they helped close the deal. And now they're even helping me find leads because they want to keep working. Um, They don't want to have to drive the 30 minutes to get into the next larger city to be able to keep working. And so they said, oh, well, so-and-so is getting ready to sell their house or so-and-so just inherited a house or they'll be driving around. Oh, this neighborhood has some overgrown hedges, things like that. So having a great, consistent team can even help you find deals. Okay. So the next one is how did you fund this deal? So I found my private lender through going to a meetup. And meetups, networking, whether it's on bigger pockets, whether it's in-person meetups, is so important to being able to build that team of people you can call on. And I happened to meet this woman at a hard money lender meetup, and she and I work well together. And so I found this and I took it to her. She ended up funding the deal for me, but she's also kind of mentored me through this project. So that's been kind of a double blessing. So Alicia, again, I know the question from the audience is going to be, how do I get myself one of these, right? Like everyone wants a private money lender. So walk us through how you, you know, because obviously people go to meetups all the time, but how did you start building that relationship to the point where this private money lender knew you, liked you, and trusted you enough to actually give you the the funds that you needed for, for the project? I would say absolutely. First and foremost, be a person who's trustworthy. Say what you're going to do, do what you say. It's really pretty simple. And I also think that building genuine relationships with people is a huge difference. People can spot a fake. People can spot people who are trying to network for the wrong reasons. You have to understand that you are bringing them an opportunity, just like they're going to bring you an opportunity and being able to respect that and feeling like you can work together, that you have the same goal in mind and making sure that expectations line up. And that's true with any team member that you have. Does your expectation line up with what their expectation is? And if not, you need to get on the same page or go separate ways. And I found that that's a huge difference in being able to make sure that we can continue to have a good working relationship is because if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to deliver. And that builds trust in her that she wants to invest with me again. Alicia, what were the rehab costs for this property? And did your private money lender pay for that too? Or did that come out of your own pocket? So my ARV is initially was 185. Thanks to this great market, we're doing even better. Uh, That left me a max of 70% LTV, 
for the deal. So I was able to get the rehab set in. One thing that I really liked with this lender, and this would be great for rookies to know, is a lot of the commercial hard money lenders will lump it all together in one big loan. And so that means that your closing costs are going to go very high because they're basically putting all of your rehab into escrow. And so you have to be able to front that money. Most people don't have it. This private lender was able to set it up as two separate loans. One is the purchase price and one is the price for the rehab portion. That meant that my overall closing costs were about $9,000 less than what they would have been had I used a commercial lender who was going to lump it all and escrow out the money that I basically already paid. So she gave a max of 70% LTV. I That worked out to be about $30,000. I'm going to go about thirty-eight. dollars So that section I have to do. Of course, now because the market is doing well, uh, my ARV is closer to $200 to $215. So I'll be able to pull all of my cash out. Um, I've been really fortunate that I make smart deals. I don't make a lot of deals. So I have had infinite returns on every single purchase I've made to date. Congratulations. And I like that last little line that you said. I don't make a ton of deals, but I make smart deals. And I think that's um, where a lot of people get caught up is I need to grow and scale. I need to buy, 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 do all these deals. But you can be just as successful doing you know, a smaller amount of deals by just making smart deals and being picky and choosy and just spending your time. Um, I have a friend, Leica, out of Seattle, where I think last year she did four flips and she made a crazy amount of money. And it was because she focuses on those and she puts time and effort and does the little details in each flip that she does, where a flipper who's doing, you know, a, several a month doesn't have that time to put in the little touches and the details that she does. And they probably end up making about the same return. So I I think that's really smart. And that's one way that rookies should look at doing deals too, is writing out your criteria and really going after great deals instead of worrying about getting all these deals that, you know, probably add up to one nice, big, smart deal. So Alicia, sounds like this deal overall worked out pretty well for you. So kind of give us the final numbers. Like where is this thing going to land? And sorry, the exit strategy, are you flipping this? Is it going to be a rental? Let us know how you plan to kind of finish this thing off. So this is going to be a rental. Um, I did a value add, which really helped. Uh, What people didn't realize on the wholesale deal was that there was another room connected to one of the bedrooms. It had been an old converted bathroom. And so I was able to give a new opening, close up that wall and turn it into a three bedroom, one bath uh, to give me additional value. So I'm gonna go ahead and rent that out. It'll rent for approximately 1400 a month is our goal. And uh, I'm planning to refinance it once my seizing period is up, which should be around July. That's awesome. And then what do you what do you plan your uh, your net profits to be on that $1,400? Um, so that'll kind of depend with interest rates and everything coming up, but I'm hoping to cash flow about 250 a door or so. Um, and that's with having a property manager in place. Uh, originally I was going to try to manage everything myself, but the property I just refinanced with, because I've been doing this for less than two years, they did make a requirement that I have a professional management company. And so because they're only a block apart, it makes a lot more sense for me to just pay it instead of saving the drive and the trouble. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Alicia. I mean, everything from finding the deal, you hustled really hard on that one to getting your private money set up. Like you're, you're just proof that when you build the right network and you connect with the right people, um, your ability to succeed as a real estate investor really, really goes up. So kudos to you for, for knocking it out the park. So let's move on to our next segment, which is the rookie request line. And for all of you that are listening, if you guys would like to get your questions featured on the show, just give us a call at 888-5-ROOKIE. And if your question is good, we'll put it on the show. So Alicia, are you ready for today's question? I'll do my best. Hello, my name is Ken Holly. I live in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. And I recently sold one of my uh, rental properties and I made 66000 and I immediately uh, used that money to invest in another property. And at the time, I didn't know about, like, the 1031 forms and stuff you should fill out. So I was wondering how to or how do y'all guys go about uh, capital gains tax? I don't hear that mentioned too much. 
but I like my, how we go about dealing with uh, the capital gains tax. Uh, I've had some of my landlord friends that just say whatever it is, they just pay it, you know. And I said, that's fine, too, but I just like, you know, how do you kind of reduce the load? All right. Thank you. So first, I'm sorry that you didn't kind of think about that exit strategy. Um, lesson learned, and I know that you'll go forward and uh, know how to do those in the future. Um, there are some great places on Bigger Pockets that do 1031 exchanges that I would say for sure check there. We also have a lot of really great um, accountants and tax professionals in our forums that can answer questions like that. Um, for me personally, I do sinking funds every month. So a portion of the rent that comes out goes towards my CapEx expenditures, my taxes, anything that could be overages. So in that case, I would say set some money aside. Uh, you don't want to necessarily leverage it because especially putting it into the markets with some volatility and things, you don't want to possibly lose that or make a ton and then have an even bigger tax event happen for you. So I would say definitely setting that money aside, keeping it safe and secure, talking with a tax professional as to approximately how much you may owe and what those steps are that you can prevent it, or maybe some potential ways that you can leverage uh, some other properties that you have or other investments to be able to bring that overall amount down and to keep more money in your pocket. Yeah, one thing to add on to that, one way to reduce your tax burden burden is to purchase something else, such as equipment or a vehicle or something that you can write off on your taxes. But just as Alicia said, um, you know, consult a tax professional and make sure that it's something that legitimately can be a tax write off to you. Okay, so on to our rookie exam. Alicia, here's our first question. What is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? Network, network, network. So get on the forum, start talking to people, build relationships. If you're not in a meetup, go join one. And if you're already in a meetup, go join another one. Start talking to people, tell people what you're doing, and have something to offer when you come to meet them. It's not all about take. It is a give and take relationship with people. So making sure that you've done the hard work to answer the most basic of questions so that when you get to that more experienced professional, you're leveraging their time well, and they're going to see that you actually put in some effort to do your own work and you weren't waiting to be spoon fed the information. Amazing answer, Alicia. So let's move on to the second question, which is what is one tool, software, app, or system that you use in your business? So I tend to do my layout for my rehabs and everything on uh, Asana. And Asana works really well for me because I can move columns around. I can put links in there. And it's really easy for me to share with my partner or with my contractor. So I can upload links to say, okay, here's our joint agreement. And I can import that from DocuSign. It keeps everything there ready for me. And we can also set due dates and things so we're all on the same page for what happens and get those reminders. And lastly, where do you plan on being in five years? So in five years, I will be an empty nester, which is both sad and exciting. So um, I'm not sure where my journey is going to take me as far as real estate investing. Um, I see that I will have a lot more flexibility in uh, my time so that I could leverage that for bigger deals um, because I don't have the responsibility of motherhood anymore um, in that immediate day-to-day -day sense. Um, I think that I would like to look into doing more in the syndication space and scaling that way. I've met a lot of great people who are willing to take me in as uh, mentorship in those syndication spaces and uh, starting to learn a little bit more about that so that I can leverage my time a little more efficiently than those single family and small multifamily deals that I've been doing. All right, Alicia. Well, I am no professor, but I would say you aced that exam. Thank you for sharing all that good information with us and the listeners today. Uh, so let's keep rolling. We're going to go on to our rookie rock star. And uh, if you want to be highlighted as a rock star, get active in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group or on the Bigger Pockets forums. And that's where we pull these, these kind of stories from. But today's rookie rock star is Beth James. And here's what Beth had to say. There's proof that you can still find burrs if you keep at it. My husband, Tyler, and I bought this house um, 
out of an estate for $115,000. They put another $24,000 into it and it appraised for $200,000. They were able to pull out all of the cash they invested and still cash flow at $360 per month. So with that huge success, Beth says that they're on the hunt for door number three. So congrats, Beth, uh, to both you and Tyler. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Sure. So you can find me on Bigger Pockets forums. I'm always in there as well as the Facebook groups. I do help to run those groups as well. Uh, you can also reach me at alicia at biggerpockets.com or my Instagram, which is plan underscore deviation. And I'm not on Instagram as often, but follow along if you want to see great pictures of my dog. <laughs> Well, make sure you guys check out the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group if you'd like to interact with Alicia or a ton of other rookie investors. I mean, I think we're at, what, 40,000 uh, people in the group and continuously growing. Well, Alicia, thank you so much. I'm Ashley at Wealthroom Rentals. He's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we'll be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.